0: This episode is brought to you by Hedgehog Health. The Hoglet by Hedgehog Health is one of the coolest sensory tools I've seen in a very long time. My youngest absolutely loves his Hoglet. The Hoglet was created by a special education teacher to appeal to autistic people, people with ADHD, and other sensory seeking learners, as well as people who just love to fidget. The Hoglet is a plug and play wireless computer mouse with a specially made silicone cover. The Hoglet is covered in tiny nubs kind of mimicking the look of, well, a hedgehog. The cover provides satisfying tactile sensory input, which many sensory seekers benefit from. It's perfect for classrooms, computer labs, working from home, or just bringing color and fidget fun to cubicles everywhere. The Hoglet is made of food-grade silicone. It's durable, easy to clean, fun to use, and comes in five vibrant colors. For more information, you can click the link in the show notes or visit Amazon and search Hoglet Computer Mouse. That's H-O-G-L-E-T. Use the promo code AutismDad1 and you'll get two free Hoglet fidget keychains. That's a $15 value, absolutely free. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. This show is inspired by my own personal journey as a full-time single dad raising three autistic kids. It's all about special needs parenting, the challenges we face every single day, as well as some of the things we have to learn to navigate along the way. This season, we're going to put a major focus on empowering and educating parents. We're going to talk all about building a community of support around your family, the importance of self-care, as well as connecting with services and resources that are vital when it comes to raising a child with special needs. So be sure to check us out at listen.theautismdad.com. subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad Podcast, we are gonna talk all about IEPs. And that's like the three letter word that just sends people running. Like we 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 hate IEPs. It's, it's just been this sort of the bane of our existence forever. And it really shouldn't be that way. And I'm kind of joking because I mean, a lot of people have positive experiences, but a lot of people don't. And it can be a very tedious process. It's tough to navigate, it can be overwhelming and uh we don't know what our rights are as parents we don't know what the rights are for our kids and it can turn into something that can be more of a confrontation than a collaboration and the goal is for parents and teachers and school staff to work together in conjunction to uh, help our kids reach their potential and get the education and access to the education that they deserve so very very important thing my guest today is Kimberly Charles Kimberly is a longtime educator. She is a master IEP coach and special education consultant, and she's here to help us better understand what an IEP is and how we can work together with the school for the betterment of our kids. Great conversation. I was really excited to be able to bring this to you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. Enjoy the interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. I really appreciate it. Could you take a minute and... Introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Kimberly Charles and I'm an IEP coach. I have 20 plus years experience in the special education classroom and at the IEP table as a teacher. Um, after last school year, I decided that I didn't like how it always felt like the school against the parents. And I kind of wanted to educate parents on how to communicate and build relationships with their child's IEP team so they can get the best support for their kids in the IEP and through the schools.
0: Okay. Can we can we start off by helping people understand exactly what an IEP is?
1: Sure. An IEP is an individualized education plan based on a child's individual needs. And to qualify, you have to have one of 13 or 14 disabling conditions, and that 13 or 14 is just kind of dependent on the state and what what they recognize as disabling conditions for eligibility for special education.
0: And what does an IEP do? Like, what is the purpose?
1: So the purpose of the IEP is to meet a child's individual needs. So they that can be done through accommodations to the general education classroom, supports of teachers coming into the general education classroom or more pull-out services or individualized classroom time given by a certified special education teacher. So that qualification is important in that they're educated in how to work with students with disabilities and meet their needs, um, their specific individual needs.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, so then my next question would be, what is an IEP coach?
1: So an IEP coach is similar to an advocate, but it kind of focuses on working with the parents and teaching them and coaching them through that IEP process. So giving them the tools that they can use on their own or, you know, to go from there An advocate, I sometimes feel like there's that adversarial aspect and you kind of go in fighting. Whereas my focus is working on collaboration and coming up with ideas that might be outside of the box, but work for the child and get them their needs faster than if everybody is kind of on two different sides.
0: So that's a really good point. I remember IEPs for me with my kids back in the day was, it was very, I hated them. I mean, honestly, like I hated IEPs. I don't know if there's really many people who are like, yeah, it's IEP meeting today. Let's go. Let's go do that. Um, but, you know, when I, when my kids moved to a different school, the IEP process was much different. And what I found over the years was that the adversarial approach that I think a lot of parents, it, it's sort of like this instinctual thing, like you have to fight for your kid because- We have to fight for so many things for our kids and that's sort of our default approach a lot of times and whether it's necessary ultimately or not, it's just sort of what we do. Right. Um, but we get so much farther ahead and it's so much better for our kids when we approach the IEP meetings as a form of collaboration between, you know, home and school in order to meet the needs of our kids. You know, and I've seen the you know, the outcomes are, are better when parents are involved and and when everybody's working together as one kind of cohesive uh, team in order to help the child manage or, or navigate or thrive, you know, in right. that in that environment. So I, I think that's a great approach.
1: Well and, and for parents, they're a very emotional experience, the IEP meetings. And so when you're emotional with those heightened feelings, You know, you don't always express yourself the way you want to, but kind of remembering and coming together as a team can help those feelings as well.
0: Yeah, because you're, I mean, honestly, when you go to an IEP meeting, you're hearing a lot of times you're hearing about all the negatives, right? You're hearing about deficits and things that they're not doing well enough or they need to do better or, you know, behavioral issues or problematic things. And I mean, parents don't want to hear that starters, right? Nobody wants to hear bad things about their kid, but it's not, it's, it's more of identifying issues that, that we want to address. And in order to address them, we have to identify them and we got to get everybody on the same page. So we have to talk about it. And I think, I think emotions run high. I think that was a really, that was a really, really good point. Parents get very emotional. I know there were times like, I mean, I'm not proud of it. We'll just say I'm not proud of it. I'm a totally different person (laughs) now because I understand how all this stuff works. Uh, But like when my kids were little, I would hear things at an IEP meeting and I'm like ready to crawl across the table. Like, don't, you can't say that about my kid. And it's, but, but they're not, they're not trying to, it's not meant to be taken that way.
1: No, but it also feels like they're talking about you.
0: Yeah. When it's your
1: kid, it's like.
0: (laughs) And you know, that may be one of five IEP meetings that day. So it's not, it's not necessarily like. Yeah, it, it just, I just think it's its its a, a perfect setup for like that perfect storm of emotional uh, stuff and teachers are stressed out, you know, they're overworked and underpaid and, and they don't always have enough help and uh, everybody wants what's best for the kids. And it, I think we just need to like take a breath and find ways to work together. So I, I really, I, I, I appreciate your approach to that. Um, let's start out with this. If parents are are navigating an IEP, what are the maybe like the top five things that they should be looking out for?
1: So the first one, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, is focus on their strengths. So the, at the beginning of the IEP, every IEP should have the section that talks about student strengths. And I feel like a lot of times that's kind of just gone over quickly. They'll say one or two small strengths of the child. And then they don't necessarily incorporate those strengths when they're thinking about the goals or the instruction. So making sure that your child's strengths are listed. And as a parent, you're an equal member of the team. So Hmm. list them out, let them know what you see as your child's strengths, because they might not see some that you see it. They may not see what you see at home at school. So if you know there's a strength, they could maybe draw that out with your information. So make sure those strengths are addressed and then used throughout the IEP if possible.
0: Okay. All right.
1: Um, And then parent concerns. Um, You know, you're sitting in the meeting, this happens all the time and they go, all right, what are your concerns? Then you're sitting there, six people staring at you and you're like, um, and you either forget what you're, you know, forget what you wanted to say or you say, Oh, I don't have any concerns because it's hard. It's hard to voice your concerns. Again, it's emotional. So I would say send those parent concerns in ahead of time. So write a letter and make sure the IEP team knows what your concerns are. And that way you're not sitting at the meeting having to remember and articulate exactly what your concerns are because you've been able to write them down and send them in. And a
0: I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh
1: no, that's what I was going to say. It also allows, if you send it ahead, it also allows the IEP team, the teachers, to talk and incorporate your concerns and address them um, before the IEP.
0: And and like you said, like take notes, like write your thought. I mean, like if I don't if I don't write something down, Mm -hmm. nine out of ten times it's not going to happen. And and it's not emotionally; it's just my life. So I think writing, taking notes, like if you have concerns, like I used to do it with my kids at the doctors, like if there were questions that I just wanted to make sure that I remembered to ask, I would, I would write everything down so that I could go in and and have like this cohesive conversation, coherent conversation, I guess, and, and make sure that I didn't walk out of the appointment like, oh man, I meant to ask this because in that moment, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy Mm -hmm. to get overwhelmed. It's easy to get frustrated. And like you said, emotions are high. So just you know if you have a list of concerns forward it to them ahead of time give them a chance to address those things and incorporate it and then right. bring some notes so that you can remember you know the top things that you want to you want to say so I, and I love another that.
1: thing is brings bring someone else with you because if you another have someone with you then they could take some notes for you they might be able to say hey you remember you wanted to address this and you forgot so you know yeah bring a friend <laughs>
0: And you can do that, right? Like you're allowed to bring someone else to the meeting.
1: Yes. Yep. Okay. Parents can bring someone else to a meeting. I always say, let the school know you're bringing them, but you don't even have to do, you mean technically, depending on the state, you don't have to tell them, but I think it's, you want to know who's going to be in the meeting. I think it's fair to let them let the school know.
0: And yeah. And it's all about good faith. Like, you know, you don't want to, you just like, Hey, I'm letting you know myself and my mom or myself and my kids therapist or myself and whatever are going to be at the meeting with me just to, to help navigate some of this stuff. And I, I would think, you know, I mean, if we're all going in this with the idea of helping our kids, we welcome the information, we welcome the insight and the perspectives and the ideas and the collaboration. So like, you know, bring a friend.
1: (laughs) Um, And then, so the next one, I would say goals that aren't written, Using the SMART criteria, which a lot of people know by now, but is this spe- but they should be specific. So kind of only working on one skill: measurable, attainable, realistic, and um, time-based. So just making sure that those goals are realistic for your child for the time frame of the IEP okay. and that they're only measuring one thing. I look at some goals and they're measuring three or four different things. Well, that's really three or four different goals within one goal. So just kind of making sure the goals are appropriate. Okay. Um, And then service delivery time. This is a big one. School districts a lot of times say you can choose from this classroom over here or you can have this. And it's kind of they're trying to make them program-based versus individualized and not looking – creatively through that entire spectrum of services. So kind of just being aware that you don't have to choose one or the other. You can maybe kind of come up with a hybrids or something that would meet your child's needs. And then the last one is surprises. There should never be surprises when you sit at the IEP table, either way. So the school shouldn't be surprising the parents with maybe a whole change of placement or you get there and they say, well, we want to, we're recommending this school, this classroom, but it's at a different school. That conversation should have taken place prior to the meeting. So you knew you could come in ready to have a conversation and prepared. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. You know, and so when you're surprised by things, you tend to react emotionally, you know, but if you if you know going in that, Hey, we're looking at a possible change of venue for your child, a new, a new building, because we Mm -hmm. think that this will meet their needs. Then you go into there knowing, okay, we're going to talk about this and and you're not caught off guard. And I think the same thing for the school. Like if you go into the school and you, you have these listed demands or concerns or whatever, and you're springing them on them at the last minute, a lot of times they can't make those decisions or they can't, answer some of those concerns or address those concerns in the moment because they need time to, to put things together and, and figure out what the right approach is. So advance notice, it just seems like common courtesy, but it's also, uh, makes things much more, uh, efficient.
1: Right. And, you know, and that's as parents, you can ask for a draft of that IEP. So you can, Review what's proposed because it is, you know, it can always change in the meeting but you can review what's proposed prior to the meeting so Mm. you're not thrown a big curveball when you get there. And the other thing is if they were, you know, the change of venue, change of school, if they let you know ahead of time, you should be able to go observe that classroom and walk around the school so you'll have some idea and have better input for the meeting as
0: well. And then be able to make an informed decision because you've got information about that so that you can, you can do your research and, and due diligence on your end. And then when you, you know, meet with the school, you can have a conversation about what your thoughts are, you know, so that you can actually make progress instead of yeah. having to like schedule another meeting in order exactly. to come back and talk about it. So you can just kind of, yeah, it just seems like it makes sense to me. Yeah. Sometimes it, it's just simple things that make a big difference.
1: It very simple and, and kind of common courtesy and respect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so the other thing that I wanted to ask about, and then we have a list of questions from uh, listeners that uh, you've been gracious enough to take on. So one of the, one of the things before we get into that though, um, why is it so important that parents have input in the IEP?
1: They're the expert on their child you know there's experts in the room there might be a psychologist there's a teacher there's a but you are the expert on your child you know them better than anyone else in that room and you're looking at the whole picture and the long haul mm-hmm. and a lot of times the others are just kind of looking at moving from third grade to fourth grade or you know what what's the most relevant right now versus as the parent we're looking long term down the road how's this going to impact things and the whole child you're seeing them after school when they get home and the impacts of what's going on at school so just being that having that expert parent opinion is important
0: and i I think it's sort of similar to just their education in general like the more involved the parents are the more successful their kids are Mm -hmm. you know um i think i always tried to be as involved as i possibly could you know i i uh, open communication with the teachers and the staff. And, you know, like if I walked into the school, cause I used to go into the school all the time and, um, there wasn't like dread, like, Oh God, what's happening now? Right. <laughs> you know, like who, what is it? What are we going to complain about now? It's just coming in to say hi or like, Hey, how's everybody, you know, how you doing? Right. Is there anything I need to know about? Like, how's everything going? And you just, you kind of build that rapport, with the the teachers and the staff, and then it just it makes it easier to navigate some of these things. I think when when you are as actively uh, involved as possible. So I, I yeah, you know. and
1: and the IEP team can have discussions outside of the IEP, ta- you know, away from the IEP table. If you're there and something's not working, you could all meet together. You can meet with one or two teachers to brainstorm an idea and try it out. And if it works, then great. It can be added to the IEP. But you can, you know, it's a team effort, and it can happen through. It should be happening throughout the school year. That okay. collaboration.
0: Are there? How how often do IEPs need to be reevaluated?
1: So the IEP, there's an annual meeting every year. So it'll be reviewed every year at the annual meeting. So once a year at a minimum for just the IEP evaluation or. Review, and then reevaluation for eligibility happens every three years. Okay. So that would be the reeval eligibility meeting on that every third year.
0: And if, if something changes or something comes up, and you need to have something addressed or modified, you don't have to wait the whole year in order to to revisit things, right? No,
1: you do not. Um, any IEP team member can call or request an addendum IEP. So that would just change whatever the thing is or add information, but it would still just go till the end of that annual review. But at any point during the school year, any team member, including the parents can request that meeting.
0: Um, And do IEPs follow federal, state law, or both?
1: So they're all fall under kind of the overarching umbrella of the federal law. Okay. And then each state will kind of interprets the laws and puts into place how they're going to follow that, that federal law.
0: Okay. Um, so like, so like as, as an IEP coach, you can help people in different states. Yeah.
1: Nationwide. Because, I, I could.
0: because it's all based on federal law.
1: Right. Yep. And if, you know, and then there, so that, there are, parent rights, and those are easily accessible online, um, kind of sometimes called procedural safeguards for every state. So that's always one of the first things I do is look those up for the state of that. I would be helping someone in.
0: And that's where some of the nuance might be, right. Where they kind of sprinkle in a little bit of their individual state stuff,
1: just kind of the procedures, how, you know, if, if you were going to request mediation, how do you do it in that state? Um, what the timelines it's an overall 90 day timeline for initial referrals. Some States take the full 90 days and do all of the meeting, the eligibility and IEP at the end of the 90 days. Some break it up into like a 60 and a 30. So just. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so then I think we'll, we'll, let's jump into some of these questions about, uh, that the parents have had. So, The first one is, uh, what are inclusion plans?
1: So inclusion um, is how are the, how's the child going to be included with their general education peers? And an inclusion plan can include any part of the day, including um, after school, if they want to be in clubs um, or sports or any of those things, a lot of times inclusion becomes a place so you're either in the inclusion classroom or you're in the separate classroom, but that's really not what it should look like. And an inclusion plan is how is that child going to truly be included and interact with their general education peers?
0: Okay. Um, someone else asked how, let me see if I, I'm gonna make sure I read this right. <laughs> how can I, okay. How can I, <laughs> how, cause when these are kind of pulled from conversations and I, I just copy and paste it. Uh, and I, and I need to be, I need to think about how to ask it. Uh, okay. So the next question is how can I help my child meet their IEP goals, uh, when they're not at school? So like if they're home, I I think we're talking sort of about like continuity between what's happening at school and what's happening at home to, to keep things consistent, consistent, maybe.
1: Right. So that consistency is really important, especially for getting that continued growth. Um, Sometimes when we're at home, our kids are tired. They've been through school all day. And Mm -hmm. if their, their goals are what's hard for them or they wouldn't be goals. So trying to come up with some, um, different ways to incorporate those goals in everyday life. So also then they see the importance of them, um, is kind of what I would say, rather than trying to sit down and read with, if it's a reading goal to sit down and read with them for another hour, um. Sure. You know, it's wonderful to do that for a little bit, but you could also maybe if they like to cook, you could do reading a recipe and they're seeing that that cooking is, you know, falling into, oh, I'm reading, but they don't really realize they're reading because they're doing something they enjoy.
0: So like, it's like, so it's school it's implemented in sort of an educational type structured thing, but at home you could implement it in just sort of everyday tasks to sort of, uh, it's like sneaking in stuff into the, you know, the soup so that your kids are eating right. healthy stuff without realizing yeah. that they're, it's like learning without realizing you're learning.
1: Yeah. That's, that's my recommendation. Cause when you come home and if they're tired and you're trying to do it, then you may get those arguments and the fighting and the battle. Yeah. But if you incorporate it into everyday activities, then they're enjoying what they're doing and learning at the same time.
0: And it's less stressful. Cause I know like my kids, uh, they would come home from school and they are just like, they're done, right? Mm-hmm. Like the idea of them even doing, and I have like personal things with homework for, for, especially for these kids. Cause I think mm-hmm. we can do a whole nother I'm not a now. fan of homework.
1: I never but, was,
0: <laughs> but I, I, you know, they come home and they need that time to just decompress before they move on to mm-hmm. the next day, uh, and do the same thing all over again. So I, I, I love the idea of incorporating things into their daily lives And being creative and outside the box. Yeah. Because that's that's real life stuff.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. The IDEA law is part of it is for future to prepare kids for future employment, education, independent living. So kind of at home, we can do a little bit more of that independent living or future and their school can focus on those academics.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh, The next one is do IEPs follow my child from year to year? Like if they have one in first grade, do they automatically have one in second grade?
1: So it, yes, they would, they will follow the child until they are evaluated or reevaluated and exited from the program. So depending on the school, this is almost dependent on the school district versus the state or, but If you're, some of them might be like a March to March, just whenever the child was evaluated, then that's when the annual Mm -hmm. review comes up. Other schools will do a a, the annual review at the end of every school year. So it just kind of depends, but there will be that annual review.
0: Um. Okay. So, but again. If there was a change that needed to be made between, say, first and second grade, you could you could get those addressed and the IEP can evolve to meet their needs the exactly. following year. Yeah, okay.
1: you could. If there if you weren't going to have a meeting at the end of the school year, but you felt like there needed to be one, you could definitely call that addendum meeting. Okay. And, you know, when you're looking at the end of the school year, a lot of times you're like, oh my gosh, this teacher really knew my kid. They did a great job. I need to make sure what she was doing was in the IEP. So that might be a time you would want to call one. Okay.
0: Uh, okay, this is a good one. What's the difference between an IEP and a 504? Are there pros and cons of each?
1: So it really depends on your child as the pro, as far as the pros and cons. But the main difference between an IEP and a 504 is the specialized instruction. Okay. So an IEP gives you specialized instruction and the accommodations or modifications. And a 504 is really just an accommodation plan. Um
0: okay.
1: So now, in a an IEP is only kindergarten through 12th grade. So public school K12. A 504 can follow you into, you know, further higher education or like college even university. employment.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. They, mm-hmm employers can, if you need accommodations for your employment, they can. Mm-hmm. They it's because right. it falls under the um, Disability Act and not the IDEA,
0: oh, so it's just kind okay. of a different. Didn't know that. Yep. So <laughs> okay. So depending
1: uh- on the needs of the child, and as they get older, you may want to look at that five hundred four. And um, but if they need specialized instruction for whether it's academics, social skills, um, behavior executive function, that would all fall under the IEP. But if they just need accommodations, that would be the five. Like
0: longer test times or?
1: Longer, that could be under either one. But yes, that would.
0: mm -hmm. All right. Um, Okay, this is a good one. Okay, when it comes to IEPs, how do we know what our rights are as parents? So is there, I mean, because we talked a little bit about this earlier, but is there a website that people can go to? And is it different from state to state, like parent rights, so or parent does, it, right, oh, does it fall under ahead. the federal law?
1: They they kind of fall under the federal law, but you need to see the procedural safeguards for every state. So my recommendation would be to Google whatever your state is, parent rights, IEP, or procedural safeguards, okay. IEP. And it's usually on the um, Department of Education website. It pops up pretty quickly.
0: Okay. And so that would be, can't just give you a single web address because depending on what state you're in, you need to look it up. Exactly. Where where you live. So
1: in your school district, if you can't find it, you're supposed to be given them, um, a copy of the procedural safeguards every year. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's an evaluation done. So if you can't find it, ask your teacher, your child's school and they can give you a copy of it. Okay.
0: Uh, this one I think is going to be kind of fun. uh, <laughs> and And this is this is the uh, the last question that i I pulled from uh, listeners. What are some of the most commonly used acronyms that parents hear in these meetings, and what do they mean? And so oh, my <laughs> my thought with this was like I remember hearing like rattling off acronyms for for tests specifically mm-hmm. and and I was like i don't I don't know I don't know what the hell that means you know, but I mean, I know it's a test. You're telling right. me it's important, but like, what are some of the, maybe the top three most common acronyms?
1: All right. I've got, I've got some written down cause I was going to forget them and try to. Okay. <laughs> so one um, PWN, which is the prior written notice. And it is really, it's a really important part of the IEP because whatever is on that is what happened in the meeting. If it's yeah. not on there, maybe it didn't happen. So even if it did happen, it needs to be on that prior written notice. And, okay. it, and a lot of times they'll call it the PW. You'll hear the PWN. Um, okay. And that is also a section where if they've refused a request, you want to make sure that's documented on that prior written notice as well. Okay. Um, Plop, which is the pres- present levels of performance. <laughs>
0: Like I'm five years old.
1: Yeah. It's so
0: (laughs) Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: That's all right. It's (laughs) it's a weird way to say it. But um so that's before every goal. It'll tell you where your child's performing on that particular skill and what they're what they can do and what they need to do.
0: Um so it's sort of like a baseline.
1: Kind of, it'll show baseline. Yep. And then okay. where they need to go from that baseline. Okay. And it should be based on data from testing or, you know, and also data from their goals, if they've already been in the IEP. Okay. So that progress monitoring data, um, IEE, which is an independent educational evaluation. So
0: I that one, I do know that one. I do know that one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, and that can be paid for by either by the, um, parents, they do it ahead of time and share the results. Or if there's a discrepancy or pe- you know, there's a problem with the testing that was done by the school, you don't agree with it. You can request an IEE paid for at public expense. You have to be careful doing that though, because if the school district doesn't agree, they can immediately, like they can take you to due process. Oh, so just be careful with requesting the IEE f- at public expense, because if you don't want to go down that road, you know, it did and not, not that it would necessarily for sure happen, but just, a just word be of, careful. Use yeah. it,
0: use it with caution. Exactly. And I, and I, I knew, I knew that acronym because my kid's longtime therapist, uh, their psychologist is also an independent educational evaluator. Okay. Um, one of the main ones where I live. Uh, so I, I knew, I knew what that you, was. You
1: knew that one.
0: Yeah. Yep. We, we relied on her a few times over the years.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they are, a, it's a valuable resource to have.
0: Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of like having, um, like a guardian ad litem mm-hmm. for a kid during like a divorce case or something like that. Like it's, they, re, their, their sole interest is only what's best for the kids. So it removes everybody else from the equation. And then you figure out how to, Work with that information, but it's it's establishing right. that information about what's best.
1: Um, ESY extended school year. You know, this is one that gets tricky. It's not necessarily. A lot of people think it's just like regular s- summer school, but it is. It's not. It's based on if the child will have regression. Um, it's which is what the school districts mostly look at. It can also be is the child at a point in their instruction where stopping it would be detrimental to their continued growth. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, and that's usually looked at in the springtime is if they're going to qualify for extended and, school year. And you not. have to
0: qualify for that, right? Cause I remember hearing a lot of parents would say something like, Oh, we want them to do the extended school year, but the school said they don't qualify or.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's where, you know, they're looking at that regression or another point on it is at a point, an important point in their instruction and in their learning.
0: Okay. Um, uh, Oh well, you got another one.
1: Oh, I got it. I, <laughs> I can, I right, let's go, <laughs> let's go one, let's go one more. Okay. Um, so I'm going to do the LEA because that's on every single IEP and okay. it's usually the principal signs as the LEA, but that's the local education agency. So it means they have authority to make spending decisions mm-hmm. for that local education Agency. Okay.
0: I did not know that one.
1: Yeah. that's. <laughs> I. It's a lot of times it's just, oh, we've got our LEA and they don't say what that means. So.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think when we, I mean, I get why they throw the acronyms around. It's easier, but if you're a parent trying to navigate this for the first time, it can be overwhelming. It can be a little scary and confusing and you might yeah. feel sort of disconnected from the conversation when you don't know what people are referring to. And so it's helpful to know what these, uh, these acronyms are. And this was really kind of fun. Um, Yeah.
1: It's definitely important. And also if you're at the table and you don't know what it means, especially the testing, there's the WISC, the Wyatt, the Woodcock, there's all, you know, ask, (laughs) you know, stop and say, Hey, what does that mean? Because, and I promise as teachers, we don't mind. We're just used to saying it and we get in our Thing we'd rather tell you what it means. I
0: had I had to do that yesterday with my my oldest was uh we were signing papers for day services, and I had his SSA there talking with the coordinator from the the day service provider. Right. And they kept talking about this 15-day rule, and I had no idea what they were talking about. And finally I was like, What is the 15-day rule? (laughs) Because like I I have no idea what it is, and it seems like it's important because you guys are both going back and forth about it. I would just like to know what it is. And yeah, they're like, Oh, it's just this. Had no bearing on anything, but now I know what it is and right. just ask.
1: Yeah. You don't know what yep. it is, just ask. And it felt like it was a big deal when they kept saying it back and forth. And, you know, yeah, because
0: one was like, well, you know, we don't really, we don't really care about the 15 day rule. Another one's like, well, I'll get written up if we don't follow the 15 day rule. And it's like, <laughs> uh, just what are we talking about? Right. And it's just like there has to be, like the county needs the, not that it matters, but the county <laughs> needs yeah. to be able to give the provider, all of the information that they need 15 days prior to the start of services so that they have 15 days to prepare and train, do whatever they have to do to meet right. the needs of the kid before they start to the service. They don't need it, but the County requires it. And so it's like, that's what it was, but yeah. you don't know if you don't ask, you don't know. So let that be a lesson. Everyone ask questions.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely ask.
0: Um, if there is one piece of advice that you have for parents out there who, who are either going into an IEP meeting or they have to navigate them, whatever, what is that one piece of advice?
1: Oh, one piece. It's hard for one piece, but I definitely it is, I know. <laughs> um, send your parent concerns ahead of time and send it to the entire IEP team. That way they will be talking before the meeting and they can okay. address your concerns and it will be a more productive IEP meeting. So that would be my first one. That would, that's, that's the big one. That's the big one.
0: And it's a paper trail.
1: Yeah. That's
0: like, it's like CC and someone on an email, right? Like it's a paper trail.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and if you, when you send those in also get, make sure they document them in the IEP. If you send them, you can say you can copy and paste them. That's fine. But you know, get those in the IEP as well as having your writing Mm -hmm. ahead of time.
0: All right. So if parents are out there listening right now and they're like, I really need an IEP coach, how can they find you?
1: Um but through my website, um com. I'm also on Facebook. Um, and I, do, I see you,
0: I see you around on Facebook.
1: I, yeah, I try to I try to post helpful information on Facebook just yeah, so my followers that's a, can
0: it's a great it's a great thing to do. It's a, knowledge is power and empowering parents needs better outcomes for kids I think so that works yep
1: and I offer I always offer a free a complimentary 30-minute consultation so and sometimes that's all it takes for the parents to be able to kind of then go out and do what they need to do on their own or we can figure out a way to work together but
0: very cool I will put all of that information in the show notes uh in the blog post so people can uh find you if they need help and all your social media stuff so they can connect with you and uh gain insight and, and knowledge into the whole IEP process I really appreciate your time
1: oh thank you I've thank you very being much here.
0: I really appreciate Thanks. it real quick before I let you go I just want to say thank you for tuning in I, I really appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this episode and it has a positive impact on your life because that's what I'm aiming for here as a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdad.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click. It'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.